Hello and welcome to the AMA Update video and podcast series. Today we have a special episode on addressing physician burnout. I'm brought to you by the AMA Women Physician Section and the AMA LGBTQ Advisory Committee. Our first guest is going to be Dr. Lauren Pecarello, Senior Associate Dean of Faculty Wellbeing and Development and Associate Professor of Internal Medicine at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York. Uh, then we'll go to Dr. Meredith Fagan, a community medical oncologist at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Boston. Uh, first up, Dr. Pecarello, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Todd. You're a practicing primary care physician, but in addition to treating patients, you've also spent much of your career dedicated to the mental health of physicians and nurses. Uh, and uh, that's important because uh, right now we are at an all-time high on physician burnout. Let's just start by talking about what you see as the main contributors to burnout right now and whether you see a change that's happened over the past few years. Sure, Todd. Well, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, we have seen burnout increase over the past uh, couple of years, especially during COVID. Uh, what's interesting is that what we're seeing in our own institution is a slight dip again now that COVID has kind of passed us in the uh, crisis phase. Um, in terms of what's really driving burnout, before COVID, we were studying all sorts of things, particularly we saw leadership um, behaviors, so leaders who practice well-being related type behaviors tended to have faculty who were less burned out and more professionally satisfied. We also see, you know, a number of other drivers like work hours, workload, um, poor workplace efficiency, lack of control over schedule, um, and, and less social supports. Um, what's interesting during COVID is that many of the previous um, drivers of burnout sort of expanded their reach. So for example, even before COVID, we saw um, the electronic health record as being a very large driver of burnout um, with COVID and patients being able to access their health record and, and access their physicians at much higher rates. We are seeing even more burnout related to um, the electronic health record. And by the same token, um, we see a lot more moral distress, certainly during COVID, um, physicians having to make decisions uh, due to lack of resources or challenges um, with, you know, patient care, especially related to COVID. And so those types of um, moral and ethical quandaries that physicians were coming upon um, has increased burnout as well. And then the final thing that I'll say is um, a lot of mistreatment uh, in the workplace um, has seemed to increase um, or certainly come to light. And a number of studies have demonstrated that mistreatment in the workplace is a, a driver of burnout, whether that's a new one or just one that's emerging in our research, um, we're seeing it a lot more. Is that from patients or what, what are you talking about there? Yeah, so that's a great question. We think it's from both. Um, it depends on which study you look at. It's certainly a number of studies uh, look specifically at patient-related uh, mistreatment and we're working on a, a study right now, publication uh, related to patient and visitor mistreatment of uh, physicians and staff, but we also can imagine that um, there can be discrimination by colleagues and leaders, so that too may as well contribute to burnout um, in our faculty and physicians. We'll look uh, forward to finding out uh, more about that um, on that subject of kind of research. Um, before and after, uh, uh, before and during the pandemic, there were some studies that suggested that rates of burnout are more common among women than men. Is that true or in your case, or, and why would this be the case? 
So at face value, this is what we see time and time again, women seem to have higher rates of burnout than men. Um, but when we start to dig deeper into the data, we're seeing that there are drivers that differentially impact women versus men. So as you can imagine, women are more likely, for example, to experience mistreatment. Um, and so when we correct for drivers such as that, we see the difference between men and women uh, in terms of burnout go away. Other potential drivers that may impact women more than men are child care stress. Um, that was another recent paper that was published uh, showing that that may be um, a new driver of burnout. And similarly, we see women in certain fields being more likely to be burned out, so particularly the primary care field. So usually when you can account for other factors, that difference does go away. Now, you mentioned the EHR before, um, and that's one of many system-level issues uh, that we know contributes to burnout. And I know that your hospital and the AMA are aligned in kind of looking at that system-level uh, uh, layer, not at the, at the individual resiliency level. Talk to us a little bit about how we take an organizational approach, but still make sure uh, that we are addressing physicians' unique needs. Thanks. Thanks, Tom, for that question. I think that's really critical. As you said, of course, it's incredibly important to think about everyone's personal well-being and personal health and their mental health. Um, but from a, a sort of bird's eye view, an institutional level, we really need to think about two core factors. One is the culture. What is the, what is the water that we're swimming in, right? Is it, is it a place that breeds well-being or is it a place that really pushes people towards their max? And then secondly, you know, how, how, are, how does the workplace function, right? Is it efficient? Is it effective? Do you have the resource that you, ne that you need to do your job? And so we really impress upon folks that we're working with that those are the two factors we want to be really addressing. And the way that we take into account sort of an individual or an individual group's uh, burnout and drivers is we use um, our faculty well-being champion team. And we essentially have a champion for each department. And that champion runs hopefully a committee of like-minded sort of committed uh, additional faculty, sometimes it could be other healthcare workers, um, and they, um, on an annual or biannual basis, take the data that we provide to them using our survey, um, and they also do focus groups. They pick two or three core issues that are impacting their department. So you can imagine a surgical department would look very different than primary care, which might look very different than anesthesia or pathology, right? So they're taking what's really driving their burnout coming up with two to three potential solutions, planning that out, implementing those solutions, and then reevaluating it at the end of one to two years um, to determine if, in fact, it has had any impact on burnout or professional satisfaction or meaning in work, for example. Now, you've said that the tragic death of Lorna Breen, who was a physician who died by suicide early in the pandemic, uh, increased awareness and government support. We've had a chance to talk uh, with her sister Jennifer and brother-in-law Corey uh, and track that uh, the act that was eventually passed by Congress in support of physicians. Do you think uh, that's an example and are there others that there's been a true sea change in addressing physician burnout in medicine? And if not, what do we need to do to get there? Well, first of all, let me just commend um, the Breen family for what they are doing. Um, they are just incredible, the amount of advocacy um, 
and awareness that they have raised over the short time has been incredible. Um, I do think that the government is clearly aware and concerned about the crisis and the fact that the National Academy of Medicine released their plan for health uh, workforce well-being in October 2022 um, is really a testament to their um, desire to improve what is definitely a bad situation. Um, I think as a member of the National Academy of Medicine Clinician Wellbeing Action Collaborative, we are definitely taking steps to engage more and more healthcare institutions in this work. And as sort of, I'm on the coaching team and we're really there to help guide them through the process of measuring well-being and then coming up with potential interventions to improve it. So I think it's a wonderful next step. I think it's certainly a moving target. You know, as we take away stressors, we add more. Um, and so we have to continue to uh, think about this, continue to add to the research. Um, ultimately, I'm optimistic, um, but we have a lot of work to do. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Pecorella, for being here with us today. And of course, for your continued work on behalf of Physicians Mental Health. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's Physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. We're now going to turn to Dr. Meredith Fagan for her experience and perspective. Welcome, Dr. Fagan. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Well, you've spoken often about your own experiences as a woman physician and as a member of the LGBTQ community. What can you share from your unique perspective that'll help us better understand why we tend to see higher rates of burnout in these groups? Well, I think there's just a feeling inside that we don't belong, that we're not good enough. Um, I think being an LGBTQ physician, I've come a long way. I've been in practice for over 20 years and it's better now, but we have to try twice as hard, I think, to feel like we are as good as, quote, everybody else, sort of the normal, uh, quote, uh, physicians. And being a woman, I think it's well known. We don't have the same opportunities. I remember I was pregnant and went on maternity leave and that disqualified me from becoming a partner in the private practice because I didn't work enough months that year. So just having a child uh, uh, basically prevented me from being uh, a lucrative partner. So these are things that I've experienced. I think they're getting better, but these are things, these are just massive challenges that uh, women and LGBTQ women uh, people face. The rates not only vary by race, gender, and sexual orientation, they can also vary by specialty. We've definitely seen that data. You're an oncologist, which has its own unique challenges. Take us through how all of those things kind of come together. Well, being an oncologist is very difficult. Um, it's the most rewarding specialty in, uh, for me. Um, but you 
see people dying at young ages. When you start out, everyone's older than you, but as you continue to work in this career, you see people younger than you with small children passing away. And it takes, it's a heavy emotional toll. It really um, requires you to really have the ability to separate yourself from the patient, but still have that amazing empathy and compassion and be with them in these very difficult moments. I think that leads to burnout. I think as an oncologist, you can't help but think, wow, life is so fragile. Anybody can get cancer. I'm working. I'm overworked. What am I doing with my life? And that emotional draw, uh, that must be really challenging. I'm curious, uh, you've launched an innovative pilot program to really address that and meet the bereavement needs of your team. Tell us about how that works. Yeah, so we do know with data from the nursing um, population that unaddressed grief really does lead to burnout. We obviously in an oncology clinic, a lot of our patients die. And so we know that the patients are attached to the secretary, the front desk staff, the clinic assistant, drawing their blood, taking their vital signs. Everybody who talks to that patient, they come in every week. We get to know them. So when they die and they don't come in anymore, we have to acknowledge that, that human loss, that, that suffering, that, and the sadness that, you know, the 22-year-old secretary out front is feeling. And so I partnered with my physician colleague uh, and social work to really in real time process the deaths. I know a lot of places have maybe quarterly memorial services for patients and we kind of run through a list, but in what we are proposing to do is we'll have office hours where a social worker will be present uh, once a week and you can go and talk to them about the patient and just share memories of them or just funny stories. At our team meetings, each doctor has a team meeting once a week where social work, the secretary schedulers, nurses come and and we say, oh, you know, this person passed away over this past week. Let's talk about them. And, you know, just funny um, memories of them or just memories in general of this person who we've spent so much time caring for who passed away. And I think already I've seen people just feel so much better um, to be not alone in that loss and we're sharing it together. Um, we hope to collect data, sort of the needs and how people are feeling, and then institute the, the office hours, the addressing at team meetings. We're going to have quarterly meetings um, to just discuss the people over the last few months who've um, passed away and then collect more data to see if this really impacted the level of burnout, not just for physicians, but everyone at the center. You know, this issue we talked about in regard to your own specialty now, that obviously is something that a much wider audience of physicians experienced during the pandemic. Do you, do you see any of the efforts uh, being adopted more widely by the profession, things that you're exploring uh, for your own team? I think the mental health of physicians is finally being recognized. And the suicide rate, the depression rate, the substance abuse rate, it can't be ignored. And... Um, Again, we are people who don't like to admit our own weaknesses. And I think we're realizing that it's okay. Absolutely. And a uh, major reason why physician burnout 
is a critical part of the AMA's recovery plan for America's physicians. And I urge everyone to check out what the AMA is doing on that front at ama-assn.org recovery. Dr. Fagan, thanks so much for joining us today. That concludes our special episode on physician burnout. We'll be back soon with another AMA update. Until then, you can find all our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thanks for joining us. Please take care.